You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Mean Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. Happy March, everybody. That means that spring is almost here and I am so glad. I cannot wait for warm weather and beach trips and sandals and just sun in the fun. And I know if you're pregnant and doing the summer, you're probably planning a beach baby moon coming up here pretty soon. Now, for those of you who don't know what a baby moon is, where have you been? (laughs) Because I've talked about this more than a little bit, right? Push, give, baby moon, push, give, baby moon. I remind all my dads of these things. But if you're new here, a baby moon is the last trip you take as a couple before the baby is born. So it's usually somewhere fun and warm before you hit the 32nd week. So if you didn't know, now you know. And make sure your husbands listen to this part of the show so that they can know. So they have no excuse not to take you on a baby moon. Now, for me, I didn't go on a baby moon because I was sick as a dog in my pregnancy and I couldn't travel. Okay. So uh, what did we do? We didn't do anything. Actually, maybe I should take myself on a trip now that Harrison's three and a half. I call it my post, my, my post, post, post baby moon. Maybe I should do that. I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to think about that. Okay, so this week, I've got some questions about how to handle family during the pregnancy at the time of delivery and after the baby is born. So I guess this episode is going to be more of a heart to heart because there's no right way or wrong way to really handle family, but we can talk through these situations and figure out what's right for you. But first, let's start with some facts. So before jumping the gun and stressing out about how your in-laws or family members are going to, you know, take not going to clinic or going to clinic appointments or not, check with the office. More than likely, the clinic has a policy that will limit the amount of visitors you have during your visits and ultrasound appointments, especially in light of the pandemic. My office still limits visitors. We actually talked about that today. Like, do we want to still limit to two people in the ultrasound room? Yes. Why? Because the ultrasound room is small. And do we want to limit children? Yes. They have to come with an adult. Why? Because they jump off of chairs and hurt themselves while your back is turned. So we can't, we, you know, we can't really have that, right? They have to be uh, able to be seated and controlled at all times. So there are regulations already during uh, clinic visits in place. So you don't even have to stress about it because we're going to tell them for you. Okay. If they show up, we're going to call you the day before and say, Hey, just a reminder, this is our visitation policy. And honestly, if you're somebody that's like, you know, I really don't want any visitors and you tell us that, then we will tell them when you check in that they have to sit in the waiting room, 
real talk. We we will. You tell us who you don't want there. We will say, hey, can you stay in the waiting room until the visit is over? And that will solve that problem. Also, every hospital has a policy about the number of people that's in the delivery room. So check with them first. Now, post-COVID, there's likely also still some limitations on the amount of people who can be even outside in the waiting room as well. So usually with COVID here, you could have one person in the in the delivery room with you. And then usually you can have two people in the delivery room, but you can have as many people in the waiting room as possible. With COVID, we said nobody can wait. Nobody can wait. You have one person in the delivery room and that's it. Now visitation policies are slowly but surely going back to normal, but there probably still is some restriction in place. So ask the hospital about how many people you can have in your room at one time, how many people you can have during the labor and delivery process, and how many people can be actually physically outside in the waiting room or the hallway waiting to come in after the baby is born. So those things may be sort of uh, pre-done for you. So don't stress. And then remember, and this is a pearl, it's you and your husband's baby, but it's your body. So if you don't want people seeing your exposed belly or your body, you have the right to ask them to step out or leave, okay? And if your husband doesn't want to tell his in-laws, then you can do it for him. I said what I said. Yeah, I did. I did. All right, now, because this is a unique topic with several questions, we're going to go straight to the questions to encourage a little conversation about this topic. So our first question says, Dr. Plenty, I'm a surrogate who is 24 weeks pregnant. I have two kids of my own and decided to be a surrogate for a nice couple who have been trying to conceive for the last five years. This is my second time being a surrogate. The first time I had no issues at all. This time is a bit different. The couple demands to be there for every appointment and even in the room when I'm changing clothes, having a vaginal exam or transvaginal ultrasounds. I've mentioned to the wife that it's somewhat awkward for me, but she says she and her husband want to feel a deep connection with me and their baby. Are there any rights for me as a surrogate? You know, this is a touchy situation because, you know, and I don't know if you're carrying their embryo or if it's a donor embryo. I don't, I don't know, you know, genetically whose baby it is based on your, uh, your question. But I will say that as a surrogate, it is still your body and technically your the parents are adopting the baby of the surrogate even if genetically it's their baby um you know the law i don't make the laws they just are laws okay so realistically you can dictate who's at the appointments and who's not you can dictate who's in the room and who's not now as a surrogate i do encourage you to involve the parents that will be taking over after the baby is born, like whether they're the biological parents or whether they're the parents of an adopted, you know, embryo that you're carrying, they're still the parents, right? They're going to be caring for this child for the long term. And so usually when I see surrogates, actually I've taken care of quite a few. I usually talk to the parents. I'll tell the surrogate what's going on with her body, but the decisions are between the surrogate and the parents. So I'm talking to the parents saying, this is what's going on with your baby that the surrogate Um, is carrying. And then if those parents want genetic testing, per se, if there's something structurally going on, 
then they talk to the surrogate to get the okay to have the genetic testing because again, it's the procedure on her body, on the surrogate's body. So, um, so usually there's some guidelines with the company if you're going through a company on this about you know how the visits should be attended and, and whatnot. But if you're somebody that has not going through an agency and so there are no you know guidelines in place, then you have to set your own guidelines. And that may be to say, hey, listen. I don't feel, I feel violated when your husband is in the room when I'm getting a vaginal exam, or I do not want to expose my private parts to you or your husband at this point. I understand that you'll be in the room for delivery, but as much, you know, as much privacy as I, you know, as I can have, I would appreciate. And I think that parents that are, you know, have surrogates, they they really do want to be involved. They really do want to feel connected, but you have to also feel comfortable as well during the pregnancy. So I think just a conversation between those parents and you is pretty much all it needs. If they're like, you know, I really want to feel connected. You can say, Hey, if you guys can just step out during this part of the exam, I would really appreciate it. And then I'll pull you right back in. You know, you can say things like that. You know, I don't really feel comfortable with you you know, seeing me during this part of the exam, if you can just step out and then I'll, I promise I'll get you back in as soon as possible. I think that they would appreciate that. Okay. They probably think they're going to miss something if they step out. The other alternative, if you're okay with the, the, the wife being there, but not the husband, then perhaps you can ask her, Hey, can you stand at the head of the bed while I do the vaginal exam, as opposed to like sort of, you know, below the waist, because I don't feel comfortable with anybody below the waist. You can you can say those type of things. But I think that those are conversations you have to have before you get to those appointments to let them know, hey, this is what I anticipate. If they have a vaginal exam, if you don't mind, I'm gonna ask you guys to step out and then step back in. At the end of the day, this is still your body, even though it's their baby. And you have to feel comfortable carrying their baby. And they want you to be happy during the pregnancy. Happy moms make happy babies. People that are carrying the baby, also those feelings and hormones are transferred to that baby. So we want you not to be anxious. We want you to be calm and relaxed and they should want you to be calm and relaxed as well. And so have a conversation about, hey, this is how I can be calm and relaxed during this process. I want to involve you guys as much as possible because it is your baby, but I will feel more comfortable if you're not there during any vaginal exams. Now, you also need to realize that if you're not comfortable with them being there during vaginal exams, are you comfortable with them being there during a vaginal delivery? Because they're going to see it all if they're there during a vaginal delivery. Now, most surrogates, the parents are at the head of the bed with you, right? They're holding one hand or another and they're pushing with you if you don't have you know, a doula or some other support person there. So they don't have to be at the end of the bed watching the baby crown and be born. But a lot of Parents are watching their baby be born because they can't experience the feeling of it, especially the moms. They want to see everything. And some people even want to record that birth. You have to ask yourself, what do you want to happen during the time of delivery? Are you okay with them being there and seeing everything during the time of delivery or not? And again, that decision is up to you. Now, once the baby is born, that baby is then transferred to those parents, to that couple. And it is their baby 
going forward. You don't have a lot of say about what happens to the baby if the baby gets vaccinated, if the baby gets circumcised, if it's a boy. You don't have any right to that because it's their baby. But while it's your body, you can say what you feel comfortable with and what you don't. And most parents, they're just anxious and they want to be there. Just have a conversation with them to tell them that you don't feel comfortable. And I'm sure that'll go over just fine. All right, medical intern, what's our second question? Our second question says, I feel bad even asking this question, but how can I let my mother-in-law know that I want to spend the first few hours with just my husband and the baby? She's been overwhelming this pregnancy, and I just don't want to feel like I can't hold my own baby. There's what's called a bonding hour. Okay, I wanted to have the bonding hour. I didn't get to have it because I had some complications during my delivery and my baby went to the NICU, right? But ordinarily, if things go well, meaning you have a term baby, you deliver without any complications, even if you deliver via C-section, you can, when you get triaged, tell the nurse, hey, I want an hour or two hours or however many hours you and your husband want of skin to skin time, okay, with your baby and bonding time. And that is just, I mean, I wanted that so bad. That is just a time of just quiet. I mean, usually there's like soft music playing, Um, you know, you get to, you know, bond skin to skin. You, your husband are in bed, shirts off, the baby's on your bare skin, And you're just spending time and just taking everything in that just happened um, to you and your husband. And it's just a a very intimate moment. And you want to make sure that you get that. Okay, if you want that, you tell the nurse, hey, I would like, you know, two hours of skin to skin time with my baby before anybody can come in and they will regulate that. Right. So they if you don't want them in during the time of of the delivery, they will ask everybody to step out. And it's just you and your husband there doing delivery. That's those are things that you can you can say during the triage process. So when you get to the hospital, whether you're in labor actively or whether you are coming in for a scheduled C-section or induction, they have to triage you. They'll ask you, you know, your name, your date of birth, your last menstrual period, your past medical history, past surgical history, all the histories they will ask you. And then they'll ask you, do you have a birth plan? And if you don't have a formal birth plan, that's okay. I guess we need an episode on birth plans. But if you don't have a formal birth plan, that's okay. They'll ask you, do you know what you want? And that's when you say, hey, after when the baby when the baby's delivered or, or when I'm in labor, I'm, I don't mind people being in the room. But if you don't mind, once it's time to deliver, I only want these people in the room. And the nurses are very good at saying, okay, it's time for delivery. You know, we only want, you know... Two people can only remain, you know, and they'll tell the two people to remain. Okay. And afterwards, they will get those two people out of there and say, it's now time for mom to get some rest with the baby and bond with the baby. And they get them out for you. So just communicate with your nurse about what you want during triage. And triage is a time where nobody else is back there. Usually your husband isn't even back there because we have to ask you questions about sexual history, uh, STDs, and domestic violence. And we don't want even the spouses back there at that point, right? So it's just you and the nurse, okay? And you tell her, this is what I want. I have a difficult mother-in-law and she's going to be pushy. Can you please make sure that she's not in here? And trust me, those nurses will do their job. But let's talk about having overwhelming in-laws in general. When that baby comes... Let me tell you, you are going to be like mama bear. 
you're going to put your foot down and say, this is my child. I'm sorry. Respectfully, this is my child and I'll make decisions for your child. Do not let your mother-in-law dictate how you handle and raise your child. They can be helpful. They can babysit. If they suggest things, say, hey, thank you for suggesting that. I appreciate the suggestion. If they want to come over all the time, hey, you know, we're getting some rest right now. Can you come back a little later? Or stay in the room and let her converse with her son, okay? So there's different ways to handle your mother-in-law, but you eventually are going to have to get a little bit firm to let her know, hey, these are the boundaries I want to set. Call before you come. I love that you're here and you're helpful, but hey, I'll ask you when I need help. Or how about you help on these days, right? Give her something to do, something to look forward to. But in terms of the hospital itself, let the nursing staff know you want exactly how many hours you want with skin to skin time. And then they will ask you when that time is up, hey, are you are you ready for family to come, come in or, or, you know, are you still wanting more time? And then you can say when you are ready for the family to come in and hold the baby and things like that. All right, medical intern, what's our next question? Our next question says, Dr. Plenty, I'm 32 weeks pregnant with my second child. It's another girl and my husband and I are content with our now complete family. I recently signed papers for a tubal ligation. However, my mom saw the paperwork in my bedroom and is trying to talk me out of it. How can I convince my mother that I'm making the right decision? First, I would say, really think, is this the right decision for you? Like, Do you have any regret, right? And I say that because I don't know how old you are. I just know you're 32 weeks pregnant. So women under age 30 have up to a 27% risk of regret when they tie their tubes. Okay, so let me throw that out there. Of course, you know, I, I will say I'm biased. I'm in the business of babies, okay? But you don't want to be somebody that ties their tubes and then three years later, you and your husband now want a boy and you want your tubes untied. Then you got to go through a tubal reanastomosis, which is a surgical procedure that's only about 33% successful. And you have to, you might even have to go through IVF if your tubes are, you know, tied and your anastomosis is not successful. So, so one, I always tell my patients, make sure that that's the right decision for you because it is a very permanent decision. Now, once you and your husband say that it's a permanent decision and you're agreeing with making it, then that's your choice, right? That's your choice. If you say we're content with two girls, we're not going to want a boy. We're content with two babies. We're not going to want a third. That is your choice. I don't know what kind of you know medical conditions you've had. I don't know you know, how hard the pregnancy has been for you. I don't know your financial situation. I don't know your family situation. All of those things are going to have some uh, role into your decision about whether you're going to have, you know, stop after your second child or whether you're going to have more children, okay? There's no decision that can be made for you. You and your husband make that decision for yourselves. I say that say uh, with uh, to say that your mom, your sister, your mother-in-law, your brother, your cousins, your pastor, none of these people are in your marriage. None of these people are laying down with you and conceiving a child, okay? So none of these people have a say. And because of that, I would politely turn to my mom and say, I'm sorry, mom, but you don't have a say. And she continued to talk and I would just say, okay, because there's no use of arguing with people that have no say. Like she can't change your mind. She's not gonna be in the operating room. She's not in the bedroom with you. So she has no say. 
So I would tell her my piece and I would say, thank you for your opinion, but you have no say. Now, mind you, me and my mother have a very open relationship. We talk to each other very directly and she knows that I am an adult. Okay. And I can make adult like decisions. She may not agree with all of my decisions, but she understands that they're my decisions to make. Hopefully you and your mother have, uh, have those come to Jesus moments where you also let her know, you know, I love you and respect you to death, but my husband and I have already made this decision and we just want you to be supportive. And if you're not supporting it, that's okay. I just don't want to talk about it anymore because realistically she doesn't have to support it. She does not have to support it. And you do not have to have your mother sign on the dotted line for you to proceed with a tubal. You can get a tubal without your mother sign on the dotted line. Okay. You can actually get a tubal without your husband signing too, but I would not encourage that. I always encourage people to talk to their significant others. So they're on the same page before making that decision because it takes two to tangle. It takes two to make a child. So you want to make sure you're on the same page with your spouse if possible, okay? But your mother, you don't have to be on the same page with your mom or anybody else that doesn't sleep in your bed to be blunt. All right, medical intern, any other questions? Yes, this is our last question. And it says, my in-laws are unvaccinated. And this is parenthetical. It says, like, they don't believe in any vaccines anymore. And I don't really want them around my newborn baby. My husband said that this was a recent change for them in the last few years. And now they refuse flu, COVID and pneumonia vaccinations. Is there any advice that you can give me so that they can safely visit? If not possible, how can I approach telling them to stay away? Okay, so first of all, you have to figure out if you want your in-laws there or not. And I assume that your first question is, is there any advice that can be given so they can safely visit? So it sounds like you want them to be able to visit if possible, although they're unvaccinated. All right. So a couple things. One, these are your in-laws. So eventually they're going to have to see this baby. Okay. So I don't think that you can go without them seeing the baby forever. But if they decide they don't want to get vaccinated and they don't want to take any measures, then you may want to delay them coming. And we'll get to that in a second. But the things that you could do if they refuse to get vaccinated and you still want them to come over is, you know, one, I would limit the amount of people that come at a time, right? So if you see your mother-in-law and father-in-law that are coming, you know, I would ask them to wear a mask if they, if they could and wash their hands. Even before the pandemic, when you're touching a, a newborn baby, you need to wash your hands, right? I wash my own hands when I was touching my own baby, right? You wash your hands because babies that are newborn do not have an immune system. They're not making antibodies or the cells that fight off infection, same thing as antibodies. They're not making those until they're about six months. So before that time, babies are getting antibodies from breast milk, okay? So that's why, that's the only difference between breast milk and formula right? Nutritionally, they're the same, but breast milk contains antibodies that help fight off infection. You can't get that in formula, right? So if they're only getting antibodies from breast milk, you know, they are obviously don't have much of an immune system. So I would remind my in-laws, hey, my, my doctor said, you can blame it on us. My doctor said that I need to limit exposure. Yeah, I, can, I need to limit exposure to the baby, okay? If you limit exposures to the baby, that means that Anybody that can be carrying any illness needs to be limited. And if they're not vaccinated, they could be carrying something and not even know it. So I would say, hey, you know, if you guys could wear a mask when you come over 
because the baby doesn't have an immune system. And if the baby gets sick, the baby could get really sick and go in the hospital. Then, you know, it's okay. If you wear a mask and wash your hands, I'll be okay with you visiting. Okay. That's what I would do. I would make them wear a mask and wash their hands. Even before the pandemic, I would still make people wash their hands. We weren't as big on mask wearing, but the flu is really real. And babies that get the flu get really sick. So I would, even even despite COVID, ask them, hey, can you wear a mask and wash your hands because you're not vaccinated? Honestly, I would ask everybody to wear a mask and wash their hands around my baby, even those that are vaccinated, to be perfectly honest, because newborn babies don't have much of an immune system and people can be vaccinated against COVID and be asymptomatic carriers. People can have the flu shot and still get the flu. So I would try to limit as much contact as possible to people that are not usually in your immediate world, okay? And if they're not, mask, wash hands. But everybody, even people that are living in the household, children in the household, your husband, you wash your hands before handling the baby, period. Everybody, why? anytime you touch something other than that baby, hand sanitize or wash your hands with soap and water. And I would encourage people to wash their hands with soap and water at least periodically during the day and not just only hand sanitizer. Get some of that grit off your hands, you know, that's been built up. Get some of that grit off before you just put a whole bunch of hand sanitizer back and forth on it. That would be my advice. Now let's say they say, you know what? Dare you ask me to wear a mask? How dare you? I'm not masking up, right? Then that's when you're going to have to say, listen, well, you don't want to wear a mask. You don't want to come in and wash your hands. I, I don't, I think you need to not see the baby for a couple months until the baby gets, you know, makes, makes more antibodies. Okay. Cause my doctor told me it'd be very harmful if my baby got sick and you may have to put the smack down. I mean, when it comes to exposures of your child, I'm telling you, you will do anything to protect that newborn baby. You do not want that child to be sick. And you're going to have to say, hey, listen, keep your distance. Maybe we can let you see the baby when he's a month and we take the baby outside so you can see the baby. But I don't want you, you know, you know, unvaccinated, bringing germs and you refuse to wear a mask, you refuse to wash your hands around my baby. You know, I'm sorry, but I have to protect my child. And at the end of the day, it's all about protecting the child. Don't make this about you. Don't make this about you not liking them or them not liking you. That has nothing to do with it. Stick with facts. Hey, the child doesn't have an immune system until six months, not making any antibodies of its own. My doctor told me everybody needs to wash their hands. If people could be exposed because we're still in a pandemic, okay, then you still need to wear a mask around the baby. There's very little treatment still for COVID. Flu is treated uh, just supportively either way. And if you have a newborn that has no immune system, that's a lot of supportive care that has to be given to a baby that gets the flu. So I will remind those grandparents, hey, listen, I love you guys to death, but I, if, if something happened to this baby, I just wouldn't forgive myself. So if you guys could just, you know, delay your your travel plans, if they're traveling and delay your travel plans for a couple months, or if they're, in, if they're locally, can we just, you know, FaceTime you guys or do like a virtual meetup so you can see the baby and then come over later. That'd be great. But if you change your mind and you decide to wear a mask and wash your hands, I'm, I'll be more than happy to let you handle the baby. Now that's your mother-in-law and father-in-law. 
those, you know, aunts and uncles and all those people that may want to come to see the baby, if they refuse, then they just don't come, right? You plan time for them much, much later. They're not the immediate need to see this baby, okay? Aunties are great. I'm an auntie. That's amazing, right? But it's not necessary to bring all those people around who don't want to vaccinate and don't want to wear a mask, okay? Even if they do agree to wear a mask, you may want to say, hey, what day are you coming? What day are you coming? So it's not like a ton of people in your house exposing your baby to different germs all at once. So that would be my advice. I always tell people, limit the amount of people who see and holding your baby, especially fresh out of the hospital. Fresh out of the hospital? Uh-uh. Baby still got vermis on the skin? Uh-uh. Don't go over there holding that baby. Wait a little while. Let the parents get adjusted to the baby. The baby get a little bit of color in their skin, a little pigment in their skin, and then go and uh, visit the baby. But if you want people to see the baby really early, wash their hands, mask up to be as safe as they possibly can. And you don't want anybody coming straight from work to your house, right? You want them, and you, you have to say it nicely. Hey, girl, we're trying to really keep down infection. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, making sure you change clothes if you come in from work, like don't come straight from work. Um, and wear, wear a mask and wash your hands, that would, be, that would be greatly appreciated. And most people that are working outside the home, they know that. Like I, I work in a hospital and in a clinic. I see 20 different patients a day, right? And so all their germs are on me when I get home. So I'm automatically going to say, let me cleanse this off of me before I go and visit a newborn baby. If you're working at, at Subway, you're seeing a whole bunch of people. Anybody that's coming in contact with a lot of people, should change their clothes at least, if not shower, okay, before they come to your house to see um, a brand new baby. And that's to me just common sense. If people don't want to abide by those rules, you're going to have to tell them they have to wait to see your baby. All right, medical intern, I think that's all the cases we have for today or the questions. And she's shaking her head, yes. And I know when we have questions, we don't really have case pearls. So I'm going to give you a case pearl for all of the questions today. And the case pearl for all the questions is, it's your body, moms, and it's your baby. So you make the best decision for you and yours. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about how to handle family during the time of pregnancy or immediately after. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate, and comment. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls and feel free to catch up on the YouTube channel as well as the website drnicoleplenty.com for your free pregnancy downloadables. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.